and welcome back to Bless You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. I'm Callie, your co-host, and I am here with my other co-host, Elise. Hello, we missed you. I know, it's been a while. Scheduling problems, life problems, sleep problems. I hope I make sense today. I'm like a zombie. That's okay. We're going to get through it. We'll get through it. I literally have peppermint essential oil in my eyeball and it's burning my eyeball off. So that's good. A good start. We're starting off well. I have grandpa hair in my eyeball. So I'm so allergic to that stupid cat. He almost ran away yesterday and Andrew and I were like, (laughs) stop. (laughs) I love Graham. Okay. If you lived with him, you would not like, I get it. He's an old cat. He deserves love. And don't get me wrong. He gets it. I mean, he basically, again, eats the cat version of McDonald's three times a day. Like he is very spoiled, but like, if he is not getting exactly what he wants, he wails. And I don't mean like a cute meow or like a little yapping or like talking. I'm talking like, it's like death from his diaphragm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like listening to that all day and so we had people we got a new hvac system yesterday which i'm very excited about even though it's very expensive but i don't freaking care and we had to leave our front door open and he just like we were like oh we'll put the other boys in the back room and you know grandpa's not gonna go anywhere (laughs) like five hours later and she's like have you seen grandpa i was like nope (laughs) and he was just exploring the building just going on a little adventure (laughs) little old man he's like struggling to make it but he like doesn't remember where he lives I was like how did you get up the stairs or did someone let you in the elevator oh my god cutie uh sure (laughs) sure he's a cutie um okay let's sorry I don't even know why I got on that tangent um let's share our sparkles before we get into a pretty long letter that is about, I think, I think it's really about resiliency and transition. Yeah. That's what I'm going to boil this down to, but, uh, we'll get to that later. So Elise, do you want to share your sparkle? Yeah. So I've shared my IVF story along the way and we have our transfer, next Friday. So that's what, how many days, six days away, which I'm literally shitting my pants over. It's our last embryo. So we're nervous, but it is the last embryo you have on hand. It is not the last embryo. Yeah, I know. I know. But I am like done. I'm like done for a while after this. Cause my body's just like not happy and I need a break. So regardless, it'll be a break for a long time for fertility treatments. Um, but yeah, so if anybody wants to send all the good vibes and baby dust and prayers my way on May 6th, I would be so appreciative. I'm like going into it feeling, I oscillate between like scared shitless, like wanting to throw up and poop at the same time to like complete indifference of like, just not thinking about it, not paying attention to it and then like hope. So I'm all, I'm all over the place. Yeah. It's a lot of emotions. Yeah. So a lot of emotions. I can't believe you said baby dust. Yeah. That's a thing. 
I know. I hate it. Why? Because <laughs> it freaks me out. It's like the idea that like, I don't know. What is baby dust? It's like it sparkles. Like- it's like spark. It's like, I think of it as like literally sp- glitter. Well, like but baby. like dust is like, at you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just always thought of it as like little, like baby good vibe sparkles. And I'm like, cover me in it. Oh my gosh. That's, okay. I will not be doing that, but I'll give you all of the good vibes in the only way I can. Yes. I love that. Thank you. That yes. you won't be getting old, dusty, decrepit, dusty <laughs> wishes from me. They're so it- there's so many fucking code words in the fertility. Like it's, it's, I hate all of them. It's too much. It's really learning a different language. Like PIO, FET, uh, like ER. Poop-a. Okay. But those are fine for me because those are just abbreviations. It's the people that are like DH and DS. And I, it's like my dear yeah. husband and my <laughs> dear son. I'm like, what? go take a hike. I just, Speak normal, like, yeah. oh, oh my God, I can't stand it. Yeah. If you're like dealing with infertility, you get like sucked into forms. I mean, I prefer Reddit because they're very science-based and like any bullshit is not tolerated. But like, if you really want the unfiltered shit where people tell you everything, you have to go to like the Australian forums or like the British ones and the way they talk, I'm just like, just say my partner and I like yeah. stop being fucking weird. Is everyone on this forum a kindergarten teacher? Or like what is going on? Not the, kindergarten teachers don't even talk like that. Like stop it. That's good. That, that made me laugh. That's hilarious. So funny. Um, okay. My sparkle is that the Enneagram is a very powerful tool. And anyone who's rolling their eyes and is like, I don't want to be put in a box because personality tests don't work on me. It's like, you're not special. Yes, they do. And (laughs) they are really helpful for understanding people's like behaviors and reactions. So like, I've had such an epiphany ever since we found out (laughs) that you were a two wing one, like, okay. And I am not trying to belittle anything that you have gone through or, or anything, but it just like, for a little bit, I couldn't understand. You would, at least you always use this term. Like I just wanted it to be smooth sailing and it's not. And I was like, well, like, no, of course, like you're going through IVF. Like, of course, it's not going to be like smooth sailing. Right. Like it's just going to happen. And so this week, like your lining was only a f- like a, f- barely not. Yep. And it was, you probably could have moved forward. So basically for anyone who's listening, like if you, whenever you do a frozen embryo transfer, you're like, all of your hormones are synthetic. And so there's different ways to like get your synthetic hormones done. Um, and the estrogen phase is to build up your uterine wall lining so that it's fluffy enough for a little embryo to literally like stick in it. Like they kind of say it's like a poppy seed and peanut butter, but you Mm -hmm. want a thick layer of peanut butter. Cause if it's a thin layer, then it's not going to stick. And so there's like certain measurements that doctors look for. And some women don't struggle with this at all and get like a thick lining right off the bat. And others, you know, don't. And Elise is one of those who I wouldn't say you like totally struggle because your numbers aren't bad, but yeah, they're not what you want them to be. Yeah. 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 I think like the ideal is like eight or above. And I've always like, 
I mean, you're close. Yeah, I'm close, but I have never gotten, I I have a friend who had literally 11, like doing nothing except for like taking an estrogen pill a day. And I was like, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think some women struggle. We all struggle with like different aspects mm-hmm. of the IVF process. Um, hence why we ended in IVF. And so it's just interesting because like, I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, like to me, this isn't that big of a deal. It's like, okay, it's just delayed a few days. No big deal. She's going to get the results that she wants. And then it clicked. And I was like, that's because I view this as a game that I need to win. Mm-hmm. And so if I have to wait a few days in order to win, who cares? That's a few more days of me getting to enjoy not doing, I don't know, progesterone or like not worrying about the track. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I just get like a little bit of a head start. Awesome. I'm going to be set up for success. But Elise is like, this isn't perfect. Like it's not going the way that it was supposed to go. Like I was supposed to have a perfect lighting check today and I didn't. So everything's wrong. Yeah. And so it's like, so interesting because I used to, sometimes I would be like, Elise, like what? I don't, I'm having such a hard time understanding because I thought you were a two wing three. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you're winning the game though. Mm -hmm. What's the matter? Like what? And then when I realized you were two wing one, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And so now it's not surprising to me at all. And I'm not racking my brain being like, why is she reacting this way? Instead I'm like, oh shit. It's not perfect. And the plans were derailed and she's going to lose her mind because that's how I feel whenever I fail at something. If I lose the game, right. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh my God, it was for nothing. I'm going to freak out. Da, da, da. So it was, it's Enneagram is very helpful <laughs> for wow. understanding your friend's reactions. Yeah, no, I, I don't even know where I got that. I was a two wing three, but I like felt very confident about it until I don't know what, how did we have this epiphany? I think you were just like, you're I think at some point it kept slapping me in the face and I was like, why are we ignoring this? I mean, I thought I was a three wing too. And I'm like a hundred thousand percent not. It's really easy to get your wing confused. I mean, it's really easy to get your entire number confused, yeah. but it's, it's very easy to get your wing confused because it's like, when I thought I was a three wing two, it's like, yeah, I started an ambitious business around helping people. Of course I'm a three wing two because threes are ambitious and twos want to help people. And then like, when you really get down to it, it's like, I mean, I started this business to help people, of course. And so that's why it's like hard to be like, I'm not a two. It's like, okay, well, do you not want to help people? It's like, that's not it. It's just, I identify way more with a four wing with like the individual, I don't know, that, that the whole, um, energy is like way more me. And so it's not that you don't have any threeness to you. It's just, it's definitely not your driving force. No, totally. I completely, the more that I have like dug into perfectionism and like the one wing I'm, I feel seen. (laughs) I know I'm serious. I was like, what is a few more days? I'm not, I like, I was so struggling to get it. It really, it was one of the first times I was like, I don't understand. And then it, I, it hit me and I was like, Oh my God. The plan was derailed. Yeah. I, if my plan is derailed, I have a complete fucking meltdown. Oh, I know. <laughs> if anyone knows it's Callie. I, I know. I've always, I was so confused. I've literally always been that way. I've always like, if, if one thing, even if like, I can remember in high school, I would like plan, you know, the party or the pictures before homecoming and order the buses and all the things like do little like party planner stuff. And if like one detail was 
completely different than what I had planned for. Like I was having a meltdown about it. But yeah, so you, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all making sense. It's all making sense. Okay. Yeah. So that was my breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, because it, it's just really helpful. I think Enneagram is super helpful when it comes to relationships and especially friendships so that you're not, and not that I was judging you at all. I was just like grasping at straws to figure it out because I thought you were more like, if you had a three wing, then you'd be responding a little bit more like me. And I don't think we ever respond the same way to anything. You normally are in a puddle of tears and I'm burning the world down. So it's like, (laughs) there's yeah. Anyway, um, super helpful. It's and and to anyone who's like, well, I don't even know where to find, how to get my Enneagram type. It's like, yeah, good luck. It's really hard. (laughs) Elise is basically an expert on it. And we completely changed her type over the course of this past month, you know? I have uh, a really good, um, link. It's like a free Enneagram test that I love. And I send it. So if, if anybody wants, is it the truity one? No, I don't like that one. Oh, I like that one. Oh, you do. I don't like mm-hmm. that one. My, the one that I use is eclectic energies. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I like it a lot better than the truity one. Okay. Well, maybe we try that one. Go see if you're doing one, please. And thank you. Okay. Let's start with this letter. Okay. Okay. It's a long one. So bear with me. Okay. Dear blush to start with some background. This spiral started in 2017 with my first and only miscarriage that almost took my life. I have two older boys who were crushed by the news. My husband handled it with a drug addiction. I have no idea. I had no idea about until we split up, which explained where our savings went. We split up within six months of the loss. Woo. We were toxic together and had split several times within the many years we were married and dating. We're much better as friends. My current partner and I were already friends at this point, and he was my rock through that breakup. We ended up falling for each other, and he moved many miles from his family to be with me. Because of the issues with my miscarriage, my doctor said I would not have any more kids. Cue the waterworks and depression, and then finding out a year to the day of the loss that I was pregnant with my amazing toddler. The Southern area where I'm from was very hard on my Yankee boyfriend. No one would work. No one would work with him or no one would work him much less talk to him unless I was around and vouched that he was cool. So he was a stay at home dad while I worked about a year after our boy is born. COVID happens job loss and housing issues, lies and theft. We ended up having to move in with my parents now in a full house of 11 people. We couldn't save enough to get out. My boyfriend's father passed from COVID late 2020. His family wanted um, him home. So his sister gifted us a house within a, and within a few months, we moved north. Now my ex doesn't want the kids that far away from him, from him and their family at all. I get it. So they stay. The boys stay. Sisters decide she doesn't want to get rid of the house. So we're forced to find another. This past summer, we ended up moving a few hours north of my boyfriend's family to a town where his old boss is living and he gets an amazing job with him. Christmas break comes and my older boys decide to move in with me because their dad is awful and so is his girlfriend. His mom hates me, but 100% supports me having them so far away, which says a lot. She has never had my back or agreed with me, so it says a lot about how her son was treating our children. So here we are, 700 miles away from everyone I've ever known. 
The only friends I have and talk to semi-regularly are still in the South. I don't have a support system here and finally gotten diagnosed and medicated with severe anxiety, severe depression, and childhood trauma. I feel better mentally than I ever have. My boys are wonderful and happy and super helpful and supportive. I've been in the food industry forever and so over it. I'm an INFJ and a four wing five Enneagram. Oh, she knows her Enneagram. It's not easy making friends. And as much as I love my boyfriend, he's a gamer and spends most of the time when not working playing COD. Do you know what that is? Yes. Call of duty. And I fucking hate it. It's the worst. So I, I see you. Okay. Okay. Shit. So boyfriend plays call of duty. Uh, I want a new career and would love to make friends, but I'm not sure where to start. (coughs) Sorry. I'm 31 and feel like no one, but my therapist is in my corner. How do I get out of this funk and make these changes? I want all I do is work and hang out with my kids. I've been binging your podcast and have some ideas, but I'm unsure how to manifest them. Help from new life and lonely. Damn. That is a lot to unpack. And I first off just want to say that I'm so glad that you have a therapist because your story is honestly just hit after hit after hit after hit. And I think that when you're constantly like dealing with a new huge issue like that, you can kind of stay in like a prolonged state of survival mode and almost like not process what's actually happening. So I'm actually really glad that you have a therapist and it sounds like you like your therapist and he or she's in your corner and you are, you know, have some labels for what you're going through and medicated and all of the things. So first and foremost, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, what about you, Callie? <laughs> you're like line and, and, here? and help. Okay. So new life and lonely. First of all, to me, it sounds like we're in the final act of this story. Um, like we're kind of in the epilogue, which very rarely do we get letters like this. Normally they're like in the thick of it or Elise and I can see the storm brewing on the horizon. We're like, oh shit, take cover girl. And so the fact that so much of this is in your past, like You've already gotten to a place where your boys are with you. You've gotten to a place where you feel better mentally. You and your boyfriend are together and in the same house, you have shelter. You're not living with your parents. It's like you've Mm. overcome so much already, which screams resilience, especially during a pandemic and even dealing with like death. And then at some point you say lies and theft. And I'm like, can we expand on that? Like. (laughs) Well, what happened there? Um, so I just want to point out that while I know it feels like you're in the thick of it from my perspective, I'm not trying to say you're not in the thick of it, but like, this is going to be a piece of cake compared to everything else that you've Mm -hmm. already accomplished, uh, which is really great. Um, the second thing I'm going to say is as a Southerner who was plucked out of my home environment when I was eight years old and placed firmly in the North. Um, I feel like we're talking about game of Thrones, like the North. (laughs) Um, but I was raised in Detroit from when I was eight to 13. Talk about culture shock. Now I understand that kids rebound faster and we have like 
a built-in social network to immediately make friends. It's like, we go to school with like 30 other kids our age. And it's like, here you go, pick your favorites. So it's, it's easier. I understand for kids to, to make friends, but I will say one thing I know about living up North is it is a slow burn. And what I mean by that is that in the South, people are very much like, oh my gosh, new neighbors. I'll bring over a casserole. I'll offer to help carpool. I'll like be in their life immediately. And I'm not trying to say people in the South are fake, but it's like 50, 50 shot that that relationship actually turns into anything. People are just warmer off the bat, but that doesn't mean they're going to be your best friend. It also doesn't mean that they're not. Um, but I think it's a little more tricky to navigate if you're looking for authenticity, which thank you for giving me your, uh, Myers-Briggs and Enneagram because your entire personality wants authenticity. That's like all you're looking for. And I'm happy to tell you that you're going to find it in the North. And I'm not trying to say again, that people in the North are more authentic than people in the South, but there is a cultural norm that you kind of have to work for it if you're above the Mason Dixon line. And it's true. These people, once you break them in, once you one adjust to some of their cultural norms, um, once you spend a lot of time there, it takes time. Um, it takes effort. These people will give you the shirt off their back. I have witnessed it time and time again. I mean, I've even noticed a pattern of, I've got a lot of like text pat friends, that's what we call ourselves. Because uh, in LA, we're a whole melting pot. Like people move here from forever, from all over the place. And I've noticed that people who were raised in the North, it's like they have so many childhood friends. Like they have so many friends that they've been friends with for forever, family, friends, all this stuff. People from the South, it's like, we make friends so fast. Our social network keeps revolving. It's not that we're flaky, but it's just like, it's a constant in and out of people. Mm -hmm. And this is all anecdotal. Okay. I'm not trying to like cite research here, but I'm trying to say you making friends in the North is going to be completely different than how you made friends in the South is my prediction. And I'm just trying to help you manage expectations here because I think it's just going to take a lot longer than you're used to. Elise, does any of this ring true to you? Or are you like, are you just pulling this out of your ass. No, no. I think cause Carl grew up in the North too. And all of his friends are like childhood friends that he grew up with. And you know, he doesn't really have, sorry, Carl, like any friends here in Texas. <laughs> so, and you know, for me, I have friends literally all over. I have friends from college. I have friends from, you know, high school. I have friends from grad school. So it's, it's really interesting. I had never thought of it, but I think you laying it out like that totally rings true. I mean, I would only know, I only know this because I lived it and because my parents lived it too. I also yeah. witnessed my parents making friends. And I mean, it took a while. They had to, I remember that I had a friend who in my third grade class and they, they lived three blocks away from us. I remember thinking their parents are cool, like all this stuff. And I was like, why aren't my mom, why isn't my mom friends with his mom? Like, why isn't my mom friends? It took them three years to like become true friends and like get invited to like the new year's Eve party and stuff. Like, I remember that. Mm -hmm. And then of course, when they moved and when we moved, it was heart wrenching because these people were like, no, you're our family. You cannot leave. Like it was so emotional. So over the top, like completely melodramatic whenever we left Michigan and went to Texas and my mom had the toughest time. And again, it's not because, I've, well, we did move to South Lake. So. <laughs> so I'm not trying to say that everyone in South Lake is fake, but like, it was just a different breed. 
And yeah. she, I, I remember seeing my mom struggle and she, my mom had clinical depression almost in, in Michigan. Like I can't eat tortilla soup ever again because she made it five <laughs> nights a week. Like tortilla soup tastes like depression. Like she <sighs> could not stand the overcast weather. She could not stand any of it. Like yeah. it was horrible, but I know that she had better friends mm. up North than she did coming back to the South. Like it was just night and day because she finally cracked the code. Yeah. And so new life and lonely. The first thing I'm going to tell you, and this is what I've been rambling about is it's going to take time and it's going to take work. Um, I also would like to see if we could limit this call of duty business because okay. you're feeling isolated at home. Don't love that. Oh God, Elise. Okay. I can see her winding up. I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> I have a bone to pick with Call of Duty and video games. I think that if I'll speak to my own experience because Carl does play stupid video games. And I think in, you know, processing that with our marriage therapist, I think a lot of it is like, and this might be a generalization, but at least for Carl, like a lot of men don't necessarily have the coping skills to be able to emotionally regulate and emotionally process. And I think for Carl, what we've learned in just having the hardest three years of our life is that whenever he feels like a surge of emotions or stress or whatever, he tends to disassociate and gaming is literally the best way to disassociate. And so, you know, I can only imagine the feelings and all of the emotions and just all of the hardship that you've had to face as a family and go through that. And it sounds like you're doing the work of processing it and facing it head on and dealing with your emotions. But I wonder if maybe your boyfriend has the same outlet, has people to be able to process with is, is coping and, you know, talking through and processing some of the hardship that he has also experienced, you know, like with well, hardship. Didn't the sister like screw them over? Yeah. His sister screwed yeah. them over. So, I mean, I get that his support system is there, but maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think Carl and I have just handled our hardships in complete opposite ways. And I really clung on to, you know, my work and my friendships. And he's really clung on to, distracting and avoiding and pretending like none of this is happening. And that's caused issues for us and caused us to distance and feel disconnected. And, you know, so I think that as frustrating as it can be seeing like, okay, you're just going to go play video games all day. I always am now trying to see like, okay, is this what's his key motivation in doing this? Is it entertainment? Is it connecting with other people because you feel lonely? Is it, you know, disassociating and trying to just avoid and have a little mental break because is it an addiction? Yeah. Is it that can totally happen too? I mean, mm -hmm. it's especially call of duty. I feel like call of duty is such an aggressive game and like, it doesn't, I don't see any benefit to it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I have know. very, I have, I have judgments about it, to be honest. I really do. I feel very strongly that I hate video games, specifically Call of Duty. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew plays like story video games, like all the games that get like adapted into like, like Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are about to be in shit. It's not Red Dead. The Last of Us. 
Ooh, is that it? I don't know. But it's like, it's always like, it looks like a movie to me. Uh-huh. Like this is stupid. Just watch a freaking movie. But yeah. he, I mean, honestly, I <laughs> don't need to brag. He doesn't play that much, like clearly. Cause I don't have that. Like, it's not that triggering to me, but I do know that video games to me, the, the second I hear he's a gamer, I'm like, so he's addicted. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of where I go to just a thought. So we might want to talk to boyfriend about other coping skills, other outlets, the fact that you feel so isolated at home. And you're saying other than my therapist, it's like, I hang out with my therapist, and my kids. It's like, okay, wow. well, that's not, I don't love that. So I think that's one thing that we need to address. Yes. But the second thing we need to address is like, I'm just like, again, reading through all of your struggles. And I think if I were you, it would be really hard to be vulnerable with people because it seems like you've just been let down. Again, I can't stop focusing on lies and theft. Like I get this was a long letter. It's like three words, but I'm like, ah, what happened? And so I'm just getting strong vibes that you've been let down by a lot of people in your life. And now you're like, how do I make new friends? And it's like, you've got to understand that those two things are connected. Mm -hmm. Like you probably feel a lot of resistance to actually making real friends, especially again, as an INFJ and a four wing five, because once you become friends with someone, it is like an extension of you, right? Mm -hmm. Like that you just want this authentic, amazing connection that you're going to carry through for the rest of your life. I mean, INFJs are so good at relationships. So, I mean, remember INFJ is just extroverted Elise or introverted Elise. Yeah. So like, you're going to be good at this stuff. And so I'm wondering if part of this is you holding back because again, you're in a culture where they're probably a little tough to crack, meaning that you're going to have to put in a lot of emotional labor up front to get that payoff down the road. Mm. And that's a lot to ask of you. I personally think it's going to be worth it. So I would love for you to discuss that in therapy as well. It sounds like you have a great therapist, but making sure that you're connecting those dots of I've been betrayed. I've been let down. Yes. Mm -hmm. I still have friends that I talked to in South, which by the way, none of my, well, I have one good girlfriend out in LA now. My other one left me. And then everyone else is in Texas. Well, one moved to South Carolina. It's like none of my close girlfriends live here either. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't think there is. I think you just have to, I mean, I'm, I'm watching Brene Brown's um, Atlas of the heart. If anybody wants to watch it, it's so good. She talks all about your connection with the self and connection with other people and talks about these like spurts of disconnection are inevitable in literally all relationships. And that doesn't have any meaning, but it's just, you know, what you do with the disconnection. And if you let that kind of like plant a seed and, and grow, and you're kind of like waiting for the other person, you know, whatever, I think that there's a lot to navigate when you're feeling disconnected from people who are really important in your life. But when, whenever the reconnection happens, it always enhances the relationship in such a deeper, more significant way. But, you know, I also want to speak to just, she says she's struggling with anxiety and depression. And I think that I just want to validate how difficult it is to be social and put yourself out there and, you know, present yourself as your best self or as a presentable self when you're struggling with anxiety and depression, because I am an ENFJ and I fucking love people and I love being social and I love connecting. 
And for the past three years, Callie, Callie texted me yesterday was that is yesterday and was like, you hate people. And I'm like, I do. I resonate with that right now because it's hard, you know, to, Oh yeah. When I was like, you should move out to a farm. And you were yeah. like, no, I love every, it's too far out. And I was like, what are you talking about? You literally hate everyone. I know. <laughs> You'd be fine. I know, but it's, I just want to speak to that because I'm sure that that's definitely a hurdle that she's hitting just like, okay, I know that I need to like get out there and branch out and make these connections, but it's probably difficult to do that when you feel like shit and you're depressed and you're anxious and you're having intrusive spiraling thoughts, you know, like, yes, that's tough. I agree. Which is why I've got like four things written down that I need to blurt out. So just bear with me. I already touched on one of them, which is practicing vulnerability. And you're going to have to do that. Like tough toodles. If you want to make friends, especially with people that have a thick skin and take again, a little bit to work on vulnerability is going to go a long way. Clearly you're going to be good at it though, with your personality profile and everything you've gone through, you already know how to be vulnerable. Um, you've just had negative consequences from it, I think. And Mm -hmm. so you're just going to have to put faith and trust and lots of therapy, um, into, you know, the process and know that hopefully this is going to work out because I think it will. The second thing I want to say is that as Elise was mentioning, I think it's really tough to just like put yourself out on a limb. Woo. Especially if you're struggling with depression and anxiety. We need structure in order to help you find a community. And what I mean by that is you might have to throw money at the problem, meaning like join, sign up for some classes. Mm. Um, Like, I mean, obviously I'm going to talk about pickleball because it is the best thing that has happened for me with joining a community and I created it. And so creating a community is also helpful, but that takes like time and effort and creative juices. So I'm not necessarily saying that, but like I've met, so many people and feel so socially fulfilled because I go and play a sport with new people every single day. And so joining a class, whether that's like a pottery class or whether that's, if you're really into improv and you've always liked drama or you want to take up like tennis or of course pickleball, or, you know, there's so many different things out there that you can do and you might not be used to spending money on yourself. I'm just like getting that vibe. And so I would encourage you to seek that out because if you could have a structured social event where it's not on you to create it, it's not on you to reach out to people. You just pay money, show up to something and woo, you get people with similar interests that also show up and you guys show up at the same time every week and are forced to like hang out and do something together. It's like, that's basically school for adults. Like that's the best way to make friends. I mean, they say that, what is it? Proximity breeds familiarity breeds likeness. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you're close to someone, you start like literally in close quarters with someone, not like close, like emotionally, I mean, close physically, um, you start to feel familiar to them. And when you start feeling familiar to people, they start liking you and you start liking them. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's how the brain works. So that's going to help you. The other thing is like, use your kids to find community. Mm-hmm. Like, aren't, isn't that what kids are for? <laughs> like, like, like other parents, like going, like joining the PTA. Like, yeah. I mean, I get cringe. I don't, I'm probably going to do it, but like, I'm going to hate every moment, but like, you know, like that's a great way. That's how my parents did it. I mean, my parents had gone out in Detroit and tried to like make friends on their own. Oh my God. <laughs> That just would have never worked. I mean, they absolutely used me and my brother, 
in order to find other parents that they could like click with because you automatically have something in common. So I would hundred percent try and see where parents can get involved volunteering at the school mm-hmm. um, or doing other things like chaperoning. I, I know you work, so I'm not trying, I get that time might not be on your side, but you can absolutely find time to do these things. The last thing I want to say, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling is you're not looking for incredible soul shaking, whatever connections you have that hopefully with your boyfriend, you have that with your kids, you've got a great therapist and you have friends in the South that you are still emotionally intimate with and talk to all the time. Um, you can be fulfilled socially in other ways. And what I mean by that is lower your expectations, because I think if you can do that, the stakes aren't going to feel as high. If you're looking to replace your besties in Texas or wherever you're from, like, holy shit, that is a huge task. And you're going to feel so overwhelmed. When I started to make friends in LA, I think I had that mentality of like, mm-hmm. I have to find my best friends. I have to find this. And the, it just wasn't working probably because I was forcing it probably because I had too high of expectations, like whatever it was. And the second I let that go and was like, I have best friends, like stop trying to force this. Like mm-hmm. I have best friends. I talk to them all the time. I'm fine. It's like my life became flooded with all these friends. Are they my best friends? No, I mean, other than like John and Jordan, who's like, you know, vertical home improvements, like they look out their patio and then I'm there. It's like, well, you know, but like, other than that, like all my friends in LA are just like, like casual, entertaining, amazing friends. Like they'll be like, how's blush? I'm like, it's fine. And that's like all they get. <laughs> and then we like talk about like best picture nominees, you know, or we talk about like, I don't know, other fun pop culture references, or like we talk about whatever. I mean, we're not having these like deep connections and you know what? I feel so fulfilled and it's so fun. And then you can let some of those casual relationships surprise you. And some of them might really turn into lifelong friendships, but you're not forcing it. And you don't, you know, like if you just put all this pressure on the need to have best friends, which I know that's what you're doing because you're an INFJ and a four wing five. I literally resonate with that so deeply. (laughs) I'm like, everybody will give me a kidney. (laughs) I want organ donors or no one at all. I feel seen. No, I get that completely. But I do think, you know, anytime, I mean, we can apply this to literally anything. Like anytime you're trying to force something or you want something so bad because you feel like your life is hindered without it, or, you know, your happiness is somehow connected to it. Like it's easy, really easy to get fixated on it. And then you, you know, when you're trying to force something and it's just like, not the time or not the scenario or not the person, it just ends up leaving you feeling more discouraged and more just like, Oh, this is never going to happen for me. And I totally, I totally get that. Well, and people like can pick up on desperation too. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That freaks me out. If someone's like desperately looking for something, I'm like, you know, because I I automatically am like, Oh, this is going to be a lot of work. I don't have time for that. And it's true. This is how people naturally react to stuff like that. Or they cling on to you because they have ulterior motives. And then that's when you start attracting people who are no good and you've had your share of that. So you don't need that. But I do think we just need to, again, lower the stakes. You need 
And this is what I call your drinking buddies. Even if you're not drinking, even if like my pickle buddies, right? Do I know their first names? Yeah. Do I know what they do for a living? Fuck no. Do I care? Absolutely not. But am I going to have like fun when we play a game and do I say hi? And do we kind of shoot the shit afterwards? And do I leave feeling all the endorphins and like I have friends? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that fake? I don't know. Does it matter? It doesn't. You know, just like when I talk about when we're talking about fertility problems and like my gay friends are like, I don't give a fuck. It's like, does that hurt my feelings? No, it's so nice to have that balance in my life where I can have those deep, meaningful relationships with someone like Elise where I'm like, oh my God, these are so bad. And then I go out (laughs) later and I'm like, everything's fine. You know, it's not being inauthentic. It's just balance. It's balance. It is feeding different parts of your soul. Yeah. And when you try and find people that are going to feed all of the parts of your soul, it puts too much pressure on you and too much pressure on them. And I don't think you have the capacity for that. You know, we always talk about like, you know, Emily said the research shows oh, that the five people, she probably five, already has those five people. Yeah. Like I always think of that, like beyond mm-hmm. my five, it's like, I don't need to lose sleep over this. I don't need to be stressed about this. It's like, it is what it is. And you get what you can get out of it. And which can be a lot. Yeah, totally. Like I, again, I feel like I get so much out of my relationships and I don't put that much in. <laughs> I mean, not with my like close people, but again, like I don't have the energy again to like memorize what everyone does for a living. I also like, I'm not going to lie to myself and be like, I care. Like I don't. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just, it's freeing. And I think the goal here is again, she says new life and lonely. The goal is just to to not feel lonely. The goal is not to like set your soul on fire. You know what I mean? So I do think just like starting small and again, joining a class, um, joining already structured communities. Um, parents are a structured community. Mm-hmm. They are, and they do things and just try and kind of insert yourself into these things, whether that's by paying for admission or inviting yourself or whatever. And just understand that these people might just be your friends for the time where you live in this community, or they might end up being forever friends. Who the hell knows? You just need to not stare at your boyfriend playing call of duty. Like that, like that's where the bar is set. I also, solo. yeah. I also feel like called to talk about like the relationship she has with herself, because I feel like I used to be someone who, if I wasn't constantly surrounded by people, distractions and like things to do and people to talk to, then I felt lonely, but it was like, now I love my alone time more than anything else in the world, you know? So it's like, I think really getting back connected to you and what's important to you and your values and how you can take care of yourself because you've been in survival mode for a really long time. So I doubt that you've really had the time or space to just like disconnect from all of that and reconnect with yourself. And I think if you really prioritize the friendship and relationship that you have with yourself, it makes it easier to then work on all of your other relationships because like, that's the most, that's the foundation of it all, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree. And it sounds like she's doing that work, but I do think calling that attention to it is good. The other thing I just want to point out too, is that a lot of these communities that I've built or the friendships that I've made 
or, you know, any of these, um, outlets that I have were jointly built. I didn't do a lot of them by myself. Mm-hmm. I did marry an extrovert who helped me do that. And Andrew normally is the gas and I'm the brakes, but then once he gets me to a point where I'm comfortable, I'm the gas. And then I take over and I feel comfortable. And so this can be tough when you're doing this all by yourself. And I just want to point that out. You might be, you know, what they call a girl's girl and you don't want someone with you and you want to do this by yourself. And that's great. I'm not saying I'm not a girl's girl. I'm just saying, well, do gay guys count? Can I be a girl's girl? Yeah. Yeah, sure. We make, we make our own rules here. Like everyone's like, it's a red flag if she's not a girl's girl. I'm like, I think I'm a girl's girl. I don't know. But <laughs> but I am saying that like it is infinitely easier if at the jump both of you sign up. Because one, you're killing two birds with one stone. It's like you both sign up for at least name an activity. I don't know. Um yoga. Oh, yoga. Okay. Oh, art class. I've been, I've been going to Pilates at, well, not in a couple of weeks, but I was, I feel like those are hard because if you have an instructor that doesn't want you to talk during the class, I feel like that can be tough. And like Pilates and yoga, it's like, shut the fuck up. You know, I, I, it's like, you gotta be quiet. That's like the ground rule. Yeah. But then I I always go early and I like talk to everybody as they come in. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, cute outfit. Okay. New life and lonely. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's a tall ask. I'm just going to say, okay. I think I would try and choose something where like talking is part of the experience. Yeah. Okay. So that for the hour long, I'm just saying like pickleball, I talk through the games all the time and people get people get annoyed with me, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm here to socialize. I, um, I did a cookie decorating class and ooh, we were all talking cooking class. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's a great one. I'm just trying to get out of my own head because it's like not everyone loves pickleball. So it's like, you know, there's art classes. I feel like you can talk through cooking classes, obviously like theater drama you're talking and you're working with people and like community events, like Volunteer. farmers markets, yeah. volunteering at a shelter. My mom and I we need consistency. You yeah. need to go to the class every Tuesday. It's like, if you have a consistent schedule, cause if you just yeah. go to the farmer's market, you don't know if the same people are going to show up every single week at the same time. It's like the best yeah. thing you can do is consistency and structure. And again, that breeds that proximity, familiarity, and then likeness. But I am wondering if getting your boyfriend involved in at least some of these things would be helpful. And once you get the train rolling, like you're going to be on fire and you know, it's just, it's just that initial, like putting yourself out of your comfort zone. But then when you do it and you realize like, okay, I'm not dead. This did not kill me. Then you're going to be like, okay, invigorated by it, you know, and you're going to want to go back for more. It totally. And it doesn't seem like you're going to need that much because you do have an amazing relationship with your kids. Uh, you seem to be happy with your boyfriend. And so it's like, not like we're looking to fill a ton of time. We're probably just looking to fill maybe some weeknights and the occasional weekend like easy peasy we also have to talk about her career because she is not so she's not happy with her career oh yeah food industry is tough man oh it's so tough but that's the other thing when you get out into the world you network Mm -hmm. I mean I'm telling you okay don't be annoyed with me but like pickleball's been crazy like people in Andrew's life that he has no business knowing are coming to pickleball and the networking benefits are 
insane, like insane. I mean, I've been playing with people where I'm like, oh my God, I'm pretty sure she runs CBS. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy, but it's, it's so great when you join a community, you are able to meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. And then connections just organically happen and you can pivot because you're going to have to be hired within the community. And in order to make that happen, you need to know the community. And I also feel like your job and what you do, if you feel energized by what you're doing and the work that you're Mm -hmm. doing, then you're going to, and you work with people like coworkers are also a great way to feel can, I mean, like literally Callie's my best friend and she's Mm -hmm. also my boss, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. I feel like that if you feel like the food industry is not, cause I feel like that's hard because everybody works different shifts. There's no consistency, right? Like, uh, I mean, you can bond, like, I don't know. I bonded really hardcore whenever I worked at the food industry, like the, I called it the service industry though. She's saying food. So I don't know if it's different. I don't know if she's like in catering or something. Uh, but the service industry, I mean, no, I was actually very socially fulfilled. I was just also exhausted and stressed. I mean, it's just really, really hard work. You're on your feet all day. Your salary is at the whim of other people wanting to tip. Mm. Like people treat wait staff like shit. I mean, and I worked at a high-end restaurant and people still acted like I was an idiot. And I was like, dude, this, this job's harder than grad school. Like fuck all the work off. But yeah, I mean, I do think this career exploration is definitely worth it, but that's like not the bulk of her letter. So it seems like I don't know. It seems like she's kind of used to not loving her job, which is not great, but I think maybe if she can get to a place where she feels more balanced and like, it seems like having someone in her corner, in her community is the most important thing. And once she has that, she might feel safe and might feel like confident enough to go explore other avenues. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. But I think the best way to do that is like figuring out what your values are, figuring out like what your interests are. There's a lot. I mean, clearly you're into different assessments and stuff. There's so many like career assessments and aptitude assessments and interest assessments. So like maybe just have some fun and do some like self-development and see like if there's anything out there that... Is ex- I'm feeling like a big change with the career. I don't know why I'm like into it. Yeah. She might need more time too. food industry. Yeah. Again, I'm assuming this is service industry. I mean, ugh, those hours can be tough. So the one thing I'm going to say is make the sacrifice you need to give yourself the opportunity to feel like you are intertwined within the community that you live. Like mm-hmm. if that means a few less shifts, if that means spending money, you wouldn't normally spend like I think it's worth it. This is an investment in yourself. This is an investment in your family. And this is an investment in the new neighborhood in which you might be there permanently. I mean, you overcame all of this. You are finally all together as a family after this, frankly, shit show. Like you did it. I mean, you did it. It is kind of incredible that at the start of the letter, it's like, holy shit. And then at the end of the letter, it's like, now we're all together. Everything's great. I just don't have friends. I'm like, oh, we can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, oh, like, yeah. this is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> totally. You know, I mean, it is wild what this woman's been through and how she's on the other side. And she's younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, she's seen a lot. You're going to be fine. This is the thing. I'm not worried about you. Like, I hope that's okay to say, but I'm not worried at all. I just yeah. think it's going to take that little oomph to go out into the world 
and to go make some prickly little friends that might give you the shirt off their back in five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. I love, I love people up North. I really do like genuinely. And I know that I was overgeneralizing, but for, for this podcast sake, I think it's the easiest way we need heuristics in order to figure shit out, you know? So if anyone up North or down South is offended by what I said, I'm sorry. Oh, well, too bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any final thoughts? I feel like we totally beat this one over. Yeah. I have none except for like, I'm proud of you and I have all the hope in the world for you and you sound like a badass. So lean into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thanks for being a listener to our podcast. We- and if you could do a follow-up with just like the lie and the theft, we would be just curious to know. Oh my God. Yes. Please tell me what the hell that was. And then also update us and let us know if anything that we said was helpful. I really hope it was, but I think a lot of this is going to be less of what do I do and more of it is going to be, how do I frame this mm-hmm. and how do I mentally attack this? Because I think a lot of it is mindset. And it sounds like you already have an incredible therapist to help you do that. Uh, so good for you. This is all good things. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up because we could talk about this for years. Um, but good luck again, really happy for you. You've got this. Um, if you are someone who is looking to expand your social life, you know, increase your connections, you're feeling lonely. You're feeling like you don't have anyone in your corner. Notice she said, but my therapist is my corner. I mean, that is how powerful these relationships can be. So you can use blush you all caps for 25% off your first month. Remember, if you have a story to share, you can write into blush you at joinblush.com or you can visit our website and there's actually a submission page um, pretty visibly on joinblush.com. You'll see it, just click podcast and then you'll see everything. And then again, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you like. I mean, I guess we kind of want to hear what you don't like, but Elise doesn't respond well to criticism, only compliments. Um, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> there was a video. It was so good. It was a TikTok and it was this comedian and she was like getting it. negative feedback. And she was like, yeah, could you just shut up? I only I just, respond to compliments. Just yeah. I'm just be gonna, quiet. Just shut up so I can go to bed. I'm like. <laughs> That is me. Yeah. So be mindful if you're going to totally criticize because the least might turn into a puddle. Uh, maybe only send that one to me, but otherwise leave all the compliments you'd like on reviews <laughs> on Apple podcasts. And, uh, hopefully we will find some time to record next week because we've been so bad. Um, but again, write into us. We want to hear everything and hopefully we will see you guys soon. Bye.